many of us quote Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10 to explain to people how they can be, become followers of Jesus, how they can be saved. And we often quote it out of context. Now, don't worry. Actually, it does talk about what we mean by salvation. However, there are reasons why it talks specifically about the heart and the mouth. Confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. Uh, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you'll be saved. Is Paul saying that so that if a person's a deaf mute and they can't confess with their mouth that they're not saved? Obviously, that's not the meaning. Um, so, what's the meaning? Well, often when I will ask students this, they start guessing. Well, we need the mouth for this, we need the mouth for that. But if we look at the context, we don't even have to guess. First, Paul gives his opponent's proof text from Leviticus in chapter 10 and verse 5. Moses describes the way that you get righteousness by the law. The person who does these things will live by them. But then he counters that approach with a different text in Deuteronomy chapter 30 and explain salvation by analogy with how salvation worked in Moses' day. The righteousness that is by faith says, don't say in your heart, who will ascend into heaven? Well, in, in Deuteronomy, who will ascend that is to bring down God's Torah, to bring down his law? Or uh, Paul's application for his time is, who will, who will ascend that is to bring Christ down from above? Or who will descend into the deep? Well, in Deuteronomy, that meant uh, going, going into the sea. God had already brought them through the sea. He'd already redeemed them. They didn't have to do that again. God was the one who brought down his Torah. God was the one who brought them through the sea. God was the one who brought salvation. In the same way, Paul says, God is the one who brought Christ down from above. God is the one who raised him up from the dead. But what does the righteousness based on faith say? Well, again, he quotes from Deuteronomy. The word is near you. In Deuteronomy, it's talking about the law, the Torah. Paul applies this to God's word in the gospel. He says the word is near you, the, the message of faith which we preach. He says it's in your mouth and in your heart. That's quoting Deuteronomy. Well, in Deuteronomy, people would, would recite the Torah, they would recite the law, and they were to believe in it and therefore obey it. Paul says it's the same way now. We, we need to believe in this message the word of faith which we're proclaiming, that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, he applies it to the fuller, newer revelation, the fullness of salvation available in Jesus Christ. Paul's explaining Deuteronomy point by point. Sometimes we also quote out of context a verse that comes a little bit after that in chapter 10 and verse 17. Faith comes through hearing and hearing through the, the word of of God or the message of Christ. What kind of faith is he talking about here? Is it just building up our faith in, in regular ways, like faith for gifts? Uh, well, chapter 12 and verse 3 talks about that being a gift from God. Uh, faith for personal needs. The kind of uh, faith it's talking about here in this context is saving faith. And the kind of word that it's talking about here, it's not like listening to the Bible on tape as helpful as that is, it's not like listening to sermons. It's talking about hearing the message of the gospel. People can't receive Christ unless somebody brings them the message of the gospel and shares it with them. That's the context of the verse. Now, in some cases, there are principles that can be applied in other ways, but we need to read the verses in their context to catch their full meaning.
Another example that we can give is Matthew 18, 18, about whatever you bind on earth will have been bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will have been loosed in heaven. What does binding and loosing mean? Is he talking here about, about demons, uh, which is often how the language was used in ancient magical texts? Well, stop and think. What do binding and loosing normally mean if we haven't been taught otherwise? We might think of tying somebody up or setting them free, releasing them, which is also what the words normally mean in, in Greek. Well, the context is a context of relationships, 18 verses 15 through 20. If somebody sins against you who's a believer, go and show them their fault. Just between the two of you. If they listen, great. You've won, you've won them over. If they don't listen, then take one or two others so that every word may be confirmed with two or three witnesses. This is following uh, Old Testament law for, for witnesses. And if they still don't listen, then bring it before the church and exercise church discipline. Now, uh, keep in mind that one or two witnesses that is mentioned. So he says, right after that, whatever you bind on earth will have been bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, I tell you that if two or if two of you agree about anything you ask, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. For where two or three come together in my name. What's the two or three about? Well, he's just mentioned two or three witnesses. Presumably, he's still talking about the same thing. This is a prayer that's prayed when you get to the point of having to exercise church discipline. In the Old Testament, the witnesses in a capital case were to be the first to cast the stones. In this point, point, the witnesses are to be the first to pray. And then the passage goes on to talk about forgiveness. Now, uh, let me just add something here. It's not specifically about um, the literary context, but it's, it's just interesting while we're on this passage. Where two or three come together in my name, there am I in their midst. There was a saying among Jewish sages where two or three are gathered for the study of the Torah, there is God's Shekinah, God's presence among them. And so he's saying, Jesus is saying, I am the presence of God. And speaking of context, that fits a theme that runs throughout Matthew's Gospel. Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, Jesus is Emmanuel, which means God with us. Matthew chapter 28, verse 20, after you, you baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, he says, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. And here in chapter 18 and verse 20, Emmanuel is God with us, where two or three are gathered in Jesus' name. Jesus is among us. <laughs>